Hey, this is Billy Claudio. I'm the pastor of Oasis Community Church, and this is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today. I hope this inspires you. I hope it builds your faith, and I hope you find freedom today through the gospel. Enjoy the message. Nothing like good timing, is there? <laughs> good morning. Thank you, Jeff. Good morning, everybody. Morning. Welcome to Oasis. How's my hair, babe? It's messed up, I know. I had headphones on. Get to play the bass. Uh, glad that you're joining us online and here presently. Hope you can handle my hair today. Uh, is it messed up for you? It's fine. Okay, good. I want to say, you know, for 33 years, my wife has been adjusting my hair, so... Uh, I want to congratulate my wife and I. We had 33 years of marriage celebrated this week. It is a testimony of the grace and goodness of God and uh, the blessing he brings to our lives. I also have a special, you know, a lot of people are back to going to church. Some people haven't been able to make it back. And I had one person I was called to say, hey, Tim and Eileen, just want to say hi to you today. Marcy's waving at you too. So special shout out for all of you that are watching online. We appreciate you. We're believing God's best for your life. We pray that you continue to be encouraged in all that we do and communicate. Even though you can't be with us personally, we're really a privilege that you take the time to be with us. And I'm glad that you're here today in body and in presence. I know summertime, a lot of people are on vacations, but we're going to kick into this new series called Savage. Oh, Savage, I'm sorry. It's my French, uh, you know, Savage. When you hear the term Savage, you might go, wow, how do you put Christianity and Savage together? But I don't know if you know this, but terminologies can change over time. How many of you know that? You know, a Savage... Uh, can mean extremely good or viciously cool. Like, <laughs> these go together. And, you know, it's kind of interesting when you think about savage and Christianity. The truth is, is that Christianity is, you know, many of us, when we think about Jesus, we like to think of the nice Jesus and the calm Jesus and the peaceful Jesus and the everything's going fine Jesus. But I want you to know that Jesus shook up the world that he was in. And the disciples that followed him, guess what they did? They shook up the world that they were in. They didn't have this... Um, sterilized religion. They had a religion that was bound by the power and grace of God, and God was changing the lives of people in a massive way. And God requires something of uh, the, the, the series of Savage Warrior. God requires this idea of having this connection with Him to be able to facilitate the things that we're called to do that, that make a difference. We all need champions in our lives, and the good news is we all have the, have the opportunity to be champions. And one of the things we're going to discover as we step into this um, series is ordinary people who submit to an extraordinary God can accomplish great things. Think about that. Ordinary people, and all through Scripture, when you see somebody, I know that you'll always think they're extraordinary. But the truth is, is they were ordinary before they became extraordinary. And it was when God began to do something special and spectacular within them and was telling a story through them that we read about them and we, we hear about them in a special way. And the, and the invitation for all of us is the potential that God might want to do something extraordinary through you. 
And many of us are in the place of need where we need some extraordinary things to happen. And I just want you to know that, that God is a God of new beginnings. God turns things around. God tells a new story. You know, we, we sang that song, God Turn It Around. We're a God that turns things around. He tells a different story. And as we invite you into this idea that maybe it is what God wants to do in you, that God can do something through you that will make you look back and go, look, God turned it around. Some of you need that hope today, and it's a reminder that God wants to do it for you, and he wants to do it through you. So I'm going to begin this series by going back to the Old Testament of the book of Judges, uh, which is, you know, there was a period of time where uh, there was no king in charge of Israel. They were judges that, that were kind of leading the, the, the people in, in the guidance of God's word to them, and Judges tells us about some of these individuals. In Judges 6 and 7, we find out about the guy named Gideon. And we're going to talk about Savage Gideon today. We're going to go and discover some things about his life. And I, I put this down. He is a weekend warrior. Now notice what it says. I know you thought weekend. He's a weekend warrior who wins. How many of you feel weak in your faith? How many of you feel like you can't measure up? How many of you feel like you don't qualify? How many of you feel like there's a lot of reasons why you're just weakened and God couldn't trust you for anything? Many of you can relate to Gideon. He was a weakened warrior. He was someone that didn't see himself as he needed to see himself and didn't realize that God was about to tell a new story of new beginnings through his life. And for you, for me, God has wanted to tell a new story. And you might feel and relate to this weakened individual to say, how, why, how me, no way. Well, we're going to jump into the story and hopefully discover some really cool things that will be helpful for you in understanding how God can use you in your life. Judges 6.1, it begins, The Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord, and set for seven years he gave them into the hands of the Midianite. We talked last week, remember, sin has its consequences. We all don't want it to have consequences, but sin has the consequences. God raised the children of Israel, said, follow me, everything's going to do well. We see here right in the beginning of this chapter, it says, Israel did evil, and they were gifted or put into the hands of the Midianites. You know, we often say, you know, God, why are you letting this happen to me? God, why would you let this happen to me? And I would say, maybe turn around and see where you've been and say, well, maybe it was what you did that made this happen to you. Verse 2, because the power of the Midian was so oppressive, the Israelites prepared shelters for themselves in mountain clefts, caves and, stronghold, caves and strongholds. Whenever the Israelites planted their crops, the Midianites, the Amalekites, and other eastern people invaded the country. So it wasn't just one group. It was a bunch of groups that were messing with their stuff. How do you like when people mess with your stuff? Right? Nobody does. But their stuff was getting messed with on a regular basis because, again, verse number one say they didn't position themselves to be under the blessing and protection of God. Evil was coming. Verse four, they camped on the land. This is speaking of the invaders. They camped on the land and ruined the crops all the way to Gaza and did not spare a living thing for Israel, neither sheep nor cattle nor donkeys. They came up with their livestock and their tents like swarms of locusts. It was impossible to count them or their camels. They invaded the land to ravage it. Midian was so, uh, Midian so impoverished the Israelites that they cried out to the Lord for help. Why do we always wait? When things get so bad, it's like, how bad is it? It's so bad I started to pray last week. 
Why is it that we wait in this spiritual journey that we're on, we wait for things to get really bad before we actually, with an honest heart, with an open heart, go to God and say, help, and I'm willing to pay attention a little bit. We usually wait until it gets badder, badder and badder, worse and worse. It usually, it, we, the nature of us many times is to wait and prolong this mode instead of just right in the beginning saying, God, things aren't like they should be. I need some help. You know, Philippians reminds us, when should we pray? It says, don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, at all times, with thanksgiving, make your prayer request to God. I want to remind you, some of you have been prayerless lately. Like, you're like the Israelite. It's like, you're waiting, you're like, oh, things are getting bad, and you're like, your fingers are crossed, and you're throwing salt over your shoulder. Right? You're being kind to everybody around you, and you're just not praying, though. You're not saying, God, I, I need your help. I'm inviting you. I will invite you today. Maybe now, today is a good day to offer your prayers to God for the circumstances and situations that you find yourself in. It goes on in verse 7 in Judges 6. When the Israelites cried out to the Lord because of Midian, he sent them a prophet. I love this. They're crying out for help, God, help me. And God, instead of sending someone that saves them, he's someone that has something to tell them about themselves. How many of you love the truth? Don't lie to me. People don't like the truth when it hurts. Right? There's something about us. We like truth. It feels good. and It kind of builds us up. But when someone comes and says, Hey, Chelsea, you know, I'm telling you, what you're doing here is causing you trouble. How do we usually respond? Don't tell me what to do. Ain't nobody going to talk to me about it. Mind your business. Amen. We find ourselves there. No one has access to tell us, but the Lord, they cried out to God, and God sends them a prophet. The prophet says, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. I brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. I rescued you from the land of the Egyptians. I delivered you from the hand of your oppressors. I drove them out before you and gave you their land. And everybody said, amen. God did that. Rescued, delivered, drove out. And I said, I am the Lord your God. Do not worship the gods of the Amorites in whose land you live. But you have not listened to me. Some of you are in trouble. There's trouble coming on your life. And again, you might have things financially well. There might be relationships that are good. But you know that there's trouble a-brewing in your soul. You know there's trouble because of some of the decisions and the choices that you've made. And you're actually in the position where you're stopped. You've stopped listening to God's word to your life. You've stopped listening to the, to the influence of God's word to you about the things that you should be doing, how you should be acting. And, and, and I want to say this for all of us. When we're in trouble, God points out our trouble to us. God always shows us how we lost our way. Some of you are in trouble. I want you to know that God is wanting to show you how you lost your way. And here's what I love about God. It doesn't matter how many steps away you have been from God. You can be a thousand steps away in the wrong direction. But it only takes one step to start heading back in the right direction. Right? What does repentance mean? Repentance means I'm turning from going the way I was going, and I'm turning into a new direction, or I'm turning to the 
right direction. That's what repentance simply is. is a, I realize the error of my ways and I'm going to fix it and begin to do the right things. For some of you, the Lord is chiding you this morning. He's inviting you today. He's saying you know that you've been going down this path and I'm inviting you to take one step to get back in line with me. He shows us the way we lost when we lost our way. Why? Because he loves you. He, he wants what's best for you. You know, one of the major works of the Spirit in our life is to guide us and to lead us into truth. It's to show us and illuminate us the error of our ways. Now, how many of you would think that maybe you have some error in your ways? Like in our humanness, we know that this is a natural tendency. We slide to the, uh, to, to the right and slide to the left instead of being true. But the Holy Spirit is the one that says, hey, hey, I'm, I'm guiding you back into righteousness. The Scriptures teach us that, that the Holy Spirit leads us to right living. You know, many of us feel the conviction of the enemy for sin. The enemy's going to go bad, 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 bad. He's going to point out your sin, try to make you feel guilty and shameful. But God says, listen, I've covered your sin. I want to show you the right way to live. Instead of always having to be forgiven for the wrong way to live, let me show you the right way to live that needs no forgiveness, that needs no sanctification. It is the right way. That's what the Holy Spirit does for our lives, which is why learning to open up our heart to what God communicates and receive it personally. You know, whenever ever I hear someone speak, I'm looking for the nuggets that they have. I'm looking for the inspirational things. But I'm always asking myself, how does this work for my life? What does this mean to me personally? What, is it, what does Billy have to do with the response to what I'm hearing right now? What is my response to the Spirit of God? Commun- what is he saying to me? My prayer for you today is that that would be a part of your heart. Proverbs remind us, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all, in all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will what? He'll, he'll get you on track. He'll get you on the path. He'll lead you to the right things to be doing. And when you're doing the right things, guess what you're not doing? The wrong things. Right? We want to try to fix the wrong things and never fix that, figure out the right thing to be doing. But when you do the right things, the wrong things have a hard way of getting in. God wants to guide us and lead us and prophet says to these guys, you have gone the wrong way. You're doing the wrong thing. Verse number 11. So you've not listened to me, the, the, the um, prophet says to the land of Israel. In verse number 11, the angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak in, well, Oprah's been around a long time, so. In Ophrah, that belonged to Joash, the Abirazite, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. Now, you don't thresh wheat in, in a wine press, right? It's, you thresh wheat, you're, you're basically getting the kernels of, of, of stuff that you've taken from the field and you throw it up and, and the wind is supposed to blow away all the chaff so that the good stuff comes back down into, your, into your, the, the catcher that you're having, right? Well, you want to do that up on top of a hill somewhere where there's a lot of wind. Well, he's down in a low spot where wine presses are and he's down there for a reason because he's a mighty man of God ready to do something for God. We find the exact opposite about him. He wasn't a mighty man of God ready to do anything. He was hiding in a place where he was threshing the wheat because he didn't want the Midianites to steal the food. Verse 12, when the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, you mighty warrior. Now, I don't know if the Lord said, The Lord is with you, you mighty warrior. Sarcastic, but I, I would dare say that something special was going on. God showed up. And spoke something over his life. You know, when you come to church, my prayer is every week that you're here, that you hear something that is spoken over you. 
Some of you are defeated. You feel broken. You feel lost. You feel lonely. And I want you to know that God is speaking over you today that there's a new story coming, a new happening, a new beginning for you, for your life. That there's more than meets the eye for you. The thing that you thought was going on, God's got something else that's going on that he wants you to begin to see. And he's saying to you, I'm with you, mighty warrior. He's making a declaration. He makes this declaration to Gideon. And I say to you, he makes the declaration to you today. The Lord sees in you more than you see yourself. He sees your full capacity under his lordship. God sees us as we, as we could be, not as we are. You know, many times we look at our life and go, I'm a misery, I'm messed up. But God looks at Gideon and says, I'm with you, you mighty warrior. The Lord shows up. Gideon, right? He gets pumped up. Not really. This is what he says. Pardon me, my Lord. Excuse me, Gideon replied. But if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our ancestors told us about and what they said? Did not the Lord bring us out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hands of the Midian. What is he saying? This is your fault. Now, how many times do we look at God and say, God, you're the problem here. I'm not the problem. You're the problem here. Here, we just read in the beginning of the chapter that the the Israelites, what did they do? They did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. The recompense or the consequence has been the suffrage that has come now for seven years under the hand of the Midianites. The Lord shows up to Gideon and says, you're a mighty warrior. And he says, excuse me, but nothing mighty is happening here. And where have you been? You're the problem. Many people never fulfill their God-given calling because they still blame God for their problems. They don't take responsibility. They don't say, I'm the problem. They say, God, you're the problem, or somebody else is the problem. I want you to know that when God shows up and he's showing up today, it is to provide for you everything that you need to change the story of your circumstance. Say this with me. God is not the problem. He is the solution. You know, you know how many times you need to say that again and again and again and again. When something happens, you have to say, God is not the problem. He is the solution. Um, Gideon isn't getting the idea that God is the solution. He still sees God as a part of the problem. Stop blaming, I'm going to encourage you, and get into the game. Get into the idea that God has shown up for you for a purpose and for a reason. Verse 14, the Lord turned to him and said, Go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hands. Am I not sending you? God's saying, listen, I I want you to go in the strength that you have. Now, as soon as we hear that, most of us go, I don't have. God, we are in trouble if that's the starting point. You want me to go in my strength? And and, and, did you notice where I am? I'm I'm in the wine press threshing wheat here. I'm not out with... Looking for trouble. I'm trying to stay away from trouble. I don't want trouble. I don't want to cause any trouble. I just want to, the world's gone crazy, and I think if I just hibernate down in the wine press, it's better. We know a little bit about this hibernating, don't we? This idea of, well, just let the world be what it is. Let the world do. I want you to know the world is in a a dark, downward turn. 
It's, in, it's going in places that are really negative and really dark, and, and it's continuing in down that way, and God's looking for some Gideons that are in, in, in different places to say, hey, it's time to get out of the wine press. It's time to quit saying, not my responsibility, not my deed. I don't need to do it. He wants to raise up some savage Christians to say, you know what? I, I know it's going to cost me something. I know it'll be challenging. I know it'll be difficult, but I want to step up to the plate and make the impact I'm called to make because, God, you want to tell a new story. You're starting a new beginning within me in my life. He goes on to say this, pardon me, my Lord, excuse me, getting reply, but how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. Does anybody relate to that? Do you, you know multiple times in Scripture we see God calling people out, Jeremiah and Isaiah, and they were like, no, not me, Lord, send somebody else. The nature of our humanity is, God, I'm not good enough. I'm not skilled enough. I'm not equipped enough. I, I, I can't do it, Lord. You can't. Tr- I'm going to fail. I'm not the one to do it. And yet God continues to speak and to call. Say, no, you're a mighty warrior. I see in you what you don't see in yourself. I see you being able to accomplish and complete that which I'm calling you to do. You know, for all of us, every one of us have to fight the coward within ourselves. There are times that I get up to speak and I'm like, I am not equipped. I am not ready. I finished last week and I'm like, oh, it was terrible. I felt, I felt in me before I got up, I was like, I know you go, it didn't look like it. It's true. There are times where I'm, I'm afraid to go because I don't want to do a poor job. I don't want to do a bad job. I don't want to misspeak. I don't want to misdo what God expects of me. And there are times the pressure is so much where I go, I wish someone else would just do it, and I don't have the pressure. That coward on the inside of me that, that the Lord says no. And again, when Sunday morning starts, all the team is looking at me like, you better be ready to go. And my prayer is always the same. God, please use me beyond myself today. I feel unequipped to do what you want me to do, but I trust you to be the God that can do what I can't do. I'm not doing it alone. And every week I leave, and I'm like, even when I go, that was the worst I've ever done. I I can't do it. Those are usually the weeks that someone comes to the door and says, I can't tell you how much I needed what you said. I'm like, what did I say? (laughs) What was it? (laughs) Like the confidence... Coming back, just tell me something that I said that was good, that meant something, not realizing that God takes the meager words of a human being that has put themselves to preparation and development and ready and says, let me do something special with it because I can change a heart. God does it, and I want you to know that every one of us find ourselves in that same place. Fear that cripples us. But courage is simply facing our fears. It's not, it's not not being afraid. It's saying, you know, I, I, I'm going to do what you invite me to do, though I'm afraid I'm going to stand up because you're telling a new story of new beginnings in my life. You know, one of the things I find for many of us as Christ followers is we don't really think that we're a part of any plan. Just kind of going off the, kind of playing it by ear and not realizing that God has a plan for your life, something you're supposed to be involved with, something you're supposed to be doing, something you're supposed to be activated in. The Gideon spirit that he wants to rise up inside of you and say, no, you matter, you're important, the things that you can do, they're, they're critical for the success of the kingdom, for the, for the war that's going on in the battle. What you do matters. And you're my champion. He invites us. To move forward, you know, to believe that is empowering, but to doubt it is debilitating. 
If you believe it and say, I do, it'll empower you to step up and stand up and experience the blessing of obedience. But when you fear it and step back, it just debilitates you. It makes you less of what you could be and should be. But God reminds you, you have a battle to fight. You have a war to win. You have a purpose to live out. Give your all on the watch that God has given you to do. Verse 16, it says, the Lord answered. He says, I I can't do it, God. I'm the smallest and the least. And the Lord said this. Notice what he says. I will be with you. I think if I put period right there, that is good enough. And you will strike down all the Mennonites, leaving none alive. I want to say this to you. It doesn't matter who you are. It only matters who he is. All through Scripture, we see God using the unlikely to perform the amazing, to lift up his name, to bring glory to who he is. It's a reminder for you, for your own life. First John 4 says, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. God is in you. He's giving you the capacity to fulfill the things. And in Romans, it says, the Spirit of God helps us in our weaknesses, in our, in our shortcomings. Romans 8, 28 says, and we know that all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. God is going to work something out great in your life. In verse 31, it says this, for God is for us. If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Everything that you need, God has provided it for you. Let your weakness become your strength. The thing that you look out and say, God could never because, and you point to your weakness and the failures and the shortcomings, and God says, listen, that's not the measure. I'm the measure, and I'm inviting you. In spite of your weaknesses and your failures and your shortcomings, the things you haven't succeeded at, I want to tell a new story. It's time that we quit using an excuse to stay out of God's will and begin to realize that God will use you in spite of you. Got to get an amen from anybody. God can use you in spite of your challenges. He's an amazing God. You know, there was a kid named Patrick. Grew up in northern England in the Cumbria area. And he felt like he had a calling on his life, but he was poorly educated. He, didn't, he wasn't eloquent. He faced a lot of challenges because he couldn't read very well. And he felt like he was called to ministry, and, and he felt like he was called to be an evangelist. But he said, how can I complete this task? And he went on to walk out the task and the call that he had in his life. Even as an old man, he admitted, today I still blush and fear more than anything to have my lack of learning brought out into the open. As an adult, he was like, I I hate it when people talk about education and learning and me, Patrick, have to go. I, I don't have any education. Yet despite all of his disadvantages, Patrick remained convinced that God had called him and anointed him as an evangelist. And he wrote, we are a letter of Christ for salvation even to the back of beyond. And what does it matter if it is not a learned letter? In other words, I didn't have to read it. I get to live it. For it is still to be found valid and plain for all to read, written in your very hearts, not in ink, but by the Spirit of the living God. Today, his more eloquent contemporaries have long been forgotten, but the impact of St. Patrick's ministry and mission to Ireland 1,500 years ago is still recognized around the world. One young man, it wasn't even schooled and learned. He said, I, I'm called, and God, I can't do this. It's too big for me. The, the giants are too big. The, the challenge is too big. And God said, you go on, son, go on. And maybe the celebration of St. Patrick's Day isn't what it should be, but it's a testimony to someone that did what they were called to do. Verse 17, it goes on to say this, and I, I just want to, excuse me, uh, 
I want to go, 2 Corinthians 12 reminds us, the Lord was speaking again. Paul said, I, I, I've struggled in my own life. I've, I have this ability and God's worked in my life, but God has given me this, this challenge that I deal with on a daily basis. I ask him to get rid of it, but I still have to deal with it. And he goes on to say this, my grace, in 2 Corinthians 12, 9, my grace is sufficient you for my power is made perfect in, in weakness. It's your weakness that God actually gets to express himself so that other people will go, this is amazing. And this is what we discover in the story of Gideon. You, you see, God's looking for your obedience, not your expertise. He's not looking for someone to say, I got this. I'm really good at this. He's looking for someone that says, I, I don't think I'm good at this at all. God says, great, you qualify. Verse 17, Gideon replied, if now I have found favor in your eyes, give me a sign that you really are talking to me. Please do not go away until I come back and bring my offering and set it before you. Basically, he said, God, I just need to know it's you. He gets an offering and takes it back and puts it before uh, the, the, the angel of the Lord and puts it on a rock. And the angel of the Lord takes his staff and hits it on the fire and it bursts into flames. And, and, and all of a sudden, Gideon realizes that it's God himself that is in his presence. And he was afraid. He's like, oh, my God, I've, I've seen the presence of God. And they believed, Israelites believed, if you saw God, you were a dead man. This was his fears, like, oh, no, I have seen God. And by the way, we call this, this is actually a, a theophany. This is, this is Jesus revealing himself in the Old Testament to a human being and, and, and in, in a fleshly form. And, and many times we see Jesus showing up in the Old Testament. He isn't called Jesus. He's called the angel of the Lord in here where it's Jesus coming and interacting with humanity. And this is what, what Gideon got to experience, a moment with Jesus that was going to come thousands of years later, later to redeem mankind. He had this Jesus moment where he, Jesus shows him that he's the son of God or the, the, he's God himself. Verse 23, after this event, but the Lord said, uh, he says to me, uh, verse 22, I'm sorry, go to 22. When Gideon realized that it was the angel of the Lord, he exclaimed, Alas, sovereign Lord, I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. But the Lord said to him, Peace, do not be afraid, you are not going to die. I want to say to some of you today, when you think about your circumstances, the things that you have overcome, you're like, I can't do it. And I want you to hear what God said to him. He says to you, Peace. Peace. You're not going to die. Not only you're not going to die, you're going to get through this in a way that you can't even imagine. So Gideon built an altar to the Lord and called it the Lord is peace. To this day it stands in Ophrah of the Abarazites. You know, Yahweh Shalom or Jehovah Shalom is the word that was used. The Lord is our peace. He identified with this mind. Verse 25, that same night the Lord said to him, take the second bull from your father's herd, the one that's seven years old. Now I want you to know it's no happenstance that it happens to be seven years old. How long were they under midnight control? Seven years, God is saying, listen, I'm about to take a bull for seven years, been around since all the trouble has had, and we're going to wash things clean. You're going to sacrifice that bull, and in the sacrificing of that bull, everything's going to be made right. And he said, listen, we need to get things right back at the house. And lo and behold, I don't know, when you read it, you find out that his father had a, a temple to Baal and a temple, an Asherah pole that was in his own backyard. So here is Gideon serving God, and everybody in his family has fallen alongside the the, the children of Israel and, and are serving other gods. Now Gideon has found himself faithful, has this relationship with God, but then God says, I want you to sacrifice an altar, but I want you to go to your father's yard and I want you to tear down the altar bale. I want you to take the Asherah pole. I want you to cut it into pieces and use it as the wood that you sacrificed the bull. 
The scriptures say that he was afraid to go do that in the middle of the day, so he waited at nighttime, took ten of his servants, and they went and they did exactly that thing. And the next day, everybody comes to where the, these gods were supposed to be served and sees that they're torn down and says, hey, who tore this down? And, and someone said, Gideon did it. And they said, well, for Baal's sake, we have, to kill, we have to kill Gideon. And his father said, well, why don't you let Baal defend himself? If Baal wants him dead, he'll kill him himself. But Gideon made this step, this motion, to go clean up the problem in his own family. And, you know, when he stood up for God, his father stood up for God with him and said, you know what, Gideon's done the right thing. You know, when you begin to stand for your faith, you'll inspire others to stand in their faith and to start doing what is right as well. But here's an important note about doing something in public. It's important that we work in our own backyards first, right? It's important that we let God begin to do the work in our own homes. It's important that we let God begin to do the things around us that we need to get done. And today is a day of invitation to say, you are a champion, you're a mighty warrior, but there's some things that God is showing you and saying, and saying it's time to get this thing in order because I'm about to do a new thing. I'm about to be God and do only what God does. Verse 34 says this, The Spirit of the Lord came on Gideon, and he blew the trumpet, summoning the Abierzites to follow him. This is significant. When we begin to obey what God has invited us to do, the work of God's Spirit begins to affect us in new ways and in fresh ways. This inspiration begins to happen within our lives. 35, he says, he sent messengers throughout Manasseh, calling them to arms and also to Asher, Zebulon, Naphtali. He basically said, listen, we're going to war. These people have come against us, and we're going to fight against them. Now, many of you know the story of the fleece. He said, well, God, if it's really you, I'm putting this fleece on the ground. And in the morning time, if the fleece is dry and the ground is wet, then I know you've told me to go. It happens just like that. And the next morning, he's like, well, maybe that was a fluke. Okay, God, tomorrow I'm going to put it on the ground and only the fleece can be wet and the dry, the ground has to be dry. You know what I'm saying? I just need to know it's you. And of course, the next morning he went, that's exactly how it was. Many times we as Christians, we throw fleeces out. We said, well, God, if this is really you, and you know, I want you to do this. Well, I, I'll say this to you. If God shows up to you in human flesh as an angel and tells you to do something, throw a couple fleeces out. But if he doesn't, Fleeces isn't the way to go. We, go we, we think that we have this opportunity, this right. God tells us to do something. We're like, you know, I need, I, I, I kind of make a fleece happen. And, 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 of course, sometimes it happens where God tells us, okay, I, I, I'll prove it to you. Go ahead and do it. And yet we still don't step out and do it. I want to encourage you. Let's just become obedient to God to begin to step into the roles and the things that we're called to do, the ministries we're supposed to be involved with, the time and energy. You know, some of that sacrifice might be your service to God. It might be you committing to be a part of something that God is doing. For some of you, it might be paying your tithes. Like for you, it's been such a big sacrifice. And God says, listen, I, I really want to bless you, but you gotta, you, you got to trust me with your resources. you got to be someone that's willing to do what I invite you to do without trouble, without difficulty. I'm trying to do a new thing in you, and I'm inviting you to be a part of the story. For some of you, it's forgiveness. You, you know, God's saying, listen, it's time for you to let that person go. You're holding on forgiveness, and I'm saying forgiveness is the way of the kingdom. Let forgiveness Fill your heart and pass that forgiveness on. The grace that you receive, pass that grace on to somebody else. That's specifically for someone here today. Verse number one of chapter seven. Early in the morning, his name was changed to Jerubal Baal. Jerubal because basically who stands against 
um, Baal. They changed his name um, when that happened. That is Gideon. And all his men camped at the spring of Herod. The camp of Midian was north of them in the valley near the hill of Morah. The Lord said to Gideon, you have too many men. Now, just put into context, the Israelites have 32,000 men. The Midianites and the people that are with them are 150,000 men. How of you would say, God's not counting right? right? They're already outnumbered in a massive way. The Lord said to Gideon, you have too many men. I cannot deliver Midian into their hands, or Israel would boast against me. My own strength has saved me. Notice what he says. He says, listen, I want to do, this is going to happen, but we need to do some whittling down. Because if you win like this, you guys are going to say, Israelites raid! 30,000 and we overtook 150. We, there's no warriors like the Israelites. And God says, I don't want to give you or let you have any credit. I, I want to have all the credit, and you need me to have all the credit. So, now announced to the army, anyone who trembles with fear may turn back and leave Mount Gilead. So he does that. So 22,000 men of his 32,000 men left. 10,000 remained. You say, well, why did God try to get rid of so many? Well, I'll just say this. You know, faith is contagious, but so is fear. You ever have a doubter around you? Like, you get someone, let's go do this. Like, oh, we can't do it, man. Do you think we should, no one should let that happen, man? Right? Doubt is contagious, and you get a doubter around you. It's important in our lives that we begin to get the people that create doubt and fear and, in, and inhibitions within us to say, no, I can't, I can't let that person in because it's contagious. Just like faith is contagious, fear can do the same thing. So he said, let's get rid of all the fear people. But the Lord said to Gideon, there are still too many men. Take them down to the water, and I will thin them out for you there. If I say this one shall go with you, he shall go. But if I say this one shall not go with you, he shall not go. So Gideon took the men down to the water. The Lord told him, separate those who lap the water with their tongues as a dog laps from those who kneel down to drink. 300 of them drank from cupped hands. They had their head up and they were looking around. 300 out of 10,000 drank that way. The Lord said to Gideon, with the 300 men that lapped, I will save you and give the Midianites into your hands. Let all the others go home. So Gideon sent the rest of the Israelites home, but kept the 300 who took over the provisions and trumpets of the others. From 32,000 down to 10,000, down to 300. Now God says, this is a fair fight. Some of you are in circumstances that are just way over your head. And you think there's no way. There's just no way. This isn't humanly probable. I know, right? It would take something extraordinary. It would take something supernatural to work on your situation. Maybe it's a child. Maybe it's a grandparent. Maybe it's an office situation. Maybe it's a personnel issue. Maybe it's a financial issue. Maybe if it's an issue, you just go, I just don't know how this is going to work out. And God says, listen, I'm inviting you into a new thing, a new opportunity of seeing my handiwork at work. And it requires less of you and more of me, but more of you so you can have more of me. I don't want you to say this is what I got. I want you to say, God, I got nothing. You know, Samson in the same book of Judges was a guy that knew he had strength. And guess what he did his whole life knowing he had power and strength. He, he never did anything that God wanted him to consistently do because he always said, I got this, I got this, I got this. Until the very end of his life when he was stripped of his power, he was gou eyes were gouged out and he finally said, God, I can't do anything without you. Give me one more try to redeem your name. Where Gideon the whole time was saying, I'm not worthy, I'm not worthy, but I'm willing to give my all, I'll give my all 
Not because I can do it, but because I know that you can do it through me. God led him down to the Midianites, and again, they were camped down there, and God started giving them all dreams, the Midianite dreams, and they began to hear the name of Gideon and, and, the, and the force that was coming behind Gideon. They began to believe that they were going to be destroyed by Gideon. And 300 men went down, and he had a strategy where he gave them lamps and, and trumpets and glass things, and they went around all of these people, and they all at the same time banged them and crashed them and blew the horns, and, and the Midianites thought that they were being surrounded by thousands, and they began to actually strike one another and kill one another because they were so confused. And that day, 300 men overtook and overwhelmed 130,000 men. Why? Because God was the orchestrator of a championship moment that made a guy named Gideon realize that, you know what, it wasn't what he brought to the table that mattered. It was that he brought God to the table that mattered. I, I want to tell you that God is inviting you to open your heart to who he is. That you take an ordinary you, a weak you, a broken you, a messed up you, and say, Lord, I'm going to offer myself to you. you. You want me to make a difference in the world. I know, I know you don't feel like you can. You just don't feel like you don't matter. It's not important. Maybe your circumstance, your situation, you just think, God, I need you desperately in this circumstance. I need you in this situation. I, I need your handiwork, and you, just, you, you don't see any way. I want you to know that with God, there is a way, there's a plan, there's a strategy, and it begins by you coming and do a step of obedience to God to say, God, I'm going to trust you. Because with you, nothing is impossible. And you, are, you can work in me, you can work through me, you can work for me. I just want to be what you say I am. And if you say I'm a warrior, then I'll stand and say, here I am, Lord, here I am. You know, when, when the Lord let Gideon go down to hear the Midianites sharing the dreams with another, they, he heard them talking and giving credit to Gideon, hadn't even done anything yet. When he left that time, he's like, God truly has done something amazing. And the scripture says that, that he worshiped the Lord. He's like, he's like this, God, this is amazing. I can't believe this is happening. He, he, he worshiped God. He gave of himself. And I, I want to say this for all of us. You must be a good worshiper before, before you can be a savage warrior. You got to have your vertical relationship with God right so they can use you at the level. Simply this, private devotion is more important than public victories. Meeting God being inspired and empowered by God. God can do great things. Nothing is too hard for the Lord. It's not about what you face. It's about who you face it with. You're facing some difficulties. You're facing some challenges. You're facing some heartbreak. Sadness, loneliness, rejection, sickness, death, sorrow. I want you to know it's not easy. I know it's not easy, but I, I want you to know that you, you're not alone in facing it. God is with you. And he's saying something. He doesn't look forward to the fight. He says something to you. He says, hey, mighty warrior, I'm about to do something extraordinary through you. I need you. I love how the Lord said, I want you to go on your strength. It simply means that there's something we have to put to the table. There's a part of our responsibility that we have to bring to bear in our lives. And many times we don't want to bring that part. We say, God, you do your part. He says, no, I need you. I want you to use what you have, but I'm going to be with you. And he says he's with you today. I go back and I close with the scripture I read earlier. Romans 8, 31. If God is for us, who can be 
against us. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him for us all. How will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? God wants to give you. In Romans, it reminds us that we're more than conquerors in him, in Jesus. Maybe you're here today and you don't have Jesus as the Lord of your life. You're not a Christ follower. Maybe you were at one time, but you've fallen away from your faith. And for whatever circumstance or reason, you've been just away from the Lord. But you hear him today saying like he did to the Israelites, man, you've been going the wrong way. You've you, you got to come back in the line. You've you got to connect with me again. And he's inviting you today to say, come back to me. Come back to that place of my grace. Come back to that place of my peace. Come back to that place of salvation. Because that's what he's provided for you. And if you're, you're here and you need that today, I want you to pray this prayer of surrender to Jesus. I want you to give your heart to him and say, Lord, be Lord of my life. Fill me with your grace and your peace and offer me that forgiveness. If you need that, would you pray this prayer with me? Maybe you're online and that's you today. You say, I, gotta, I need Jesus. Why don't you just pray this prayer with me? We're going to do it together, praying a prayer of surrender and dedication to say, Jesus, I, I realize where I went wrong. You, you showed me. I can see I went wrong, but I want to get back right. I want to come back to you. I want to repent of where I've been and get back in tune with you. Let's pray this together. And today, if you're doing this for the first time or maybe refreshing your commitment to Jesus, I just want you to make this prayer a prayer from your heart to your heavenly Father who loves you, who has provided a way through Jesus Christ, his Son, to be born again. Say, God, thank you. For showing me the way I'm wrong so that I can see the way that is right. And you provided your son Jesus to forgive me of my sins so that I can start life new. And today I give you my heart. I surrender my life to your lordship. And I choose to follow you. I'm going to not go my own direction any longer. I'm going to follow your direction. And it's from this day forward that I choose to serve you. Now fill me with your Holy Spirit and lead me in the path of truth. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I want you to know that whatever you're facing, you're not doing it alone today. God is with you. Remind yourself, God's not the problem. He's the solution. Remind yourself that you are what God says you are, not what you think you are. And you are a warrior. You can accomplish all the things that God has called you to accomplish. And he has a plan for you. That plan is a good plan that has a good outcome. And he's inviting you to be a part of it. So as I send you, I send you forth as warriors in the land to do the will of God, the bidding of God, to overcome the armies that have been assigned against you. And whether they're personal in your family or whether they're part of the global kingdom, you can be a part of the story that God is telling, to join together with us in accomplishing what God has called us in our community, in our city, in our state, in our country, and around the world. And when we do it together, it's just better. As we close this morning, if you have prayer needs of any kind, we're going to have some prayer ministry team leaders are going to be up here to pray for your needs. I send you forth as God sent... Gideon, I send you to say, go do what God has called you to do. Be the champion that he's called you to be because God's got a great story to tell through you. God bless you. Have a wonderful day. If you're a first-time guest, we would love to have an opportunity to connect with you and give you a free gift 
for joining us today. Or if this isn't your first time, but you're ready to get connected, go ahead and send me an email and let me know how we can best serve you. We have life groups, both live and virtual, classes and resources to help you live your life in complete freedom. And you know what? If you're ready for the full on-campus experience, you can reach out to us via email as well, and we will get you connected with an opportunity to check us out and meet our church. Thank you so much for watching, and have a blessed week. Thanks so much for listening to our podcast. I really hope God moved in your heart today. And if you're in the Scottsdale area, I'd love for you to come and visit our campus on one of our Sunday services. You can find details to our service times on our website. I also want to thank our faithful givers. By giving towards our podcast, you're able to help us reach people from all over the world for Christ and fulfill the mission of Oasis, which is to love God, love life, and love people. God bless.